So in um, this young adult season of life, we are presented with a lot of first-time opportunities, right? We're kind of thrown into the fire in a lot of ways and just thrown out into the world to figure out what adulting is. Um, There's a lot of things in our education that we don't really get prepared for. Um, I got summoned for my first jury duty a few months ago. And when I got it in the mail, I was pumped. I was like, this is a sign that I am an adult. I was so excited for some reason. I thought it was really cool. And um, I'm in grad school right now, so I totally could have gotten out of it. But I fully intended to go because this was a sign that I was an adult and I was ready to step into um, this opportunity. And so I put it on the fridge and um, just put that aside because it was like a month away. And went on with life. And then one Wednesday night after church, I got home and I was like, man, I probably should look at that paper and see when I'm supposed to report or what I'm supposed to do next. It's probably coming up soon. And so I went to the fridge, looked at the paper, looked at the calendar that we have on our kitchen um, wall, looked back at the paper and realized my jury duty was this past Monday and I had missed it completely. And all of a sudden, this anxiety like sunk in. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to get a huge fine or am I going to get arrested? Well, I'm still here. I haven't got arrested. I I really don't know what happens. Does anyone know what happens if you don't show up for jury duty? Nothing's happened yet, so hopefully nothing happens. But I tell you this story because um, there's a lot of things in adulting that... If we don't handle it rightly, it can cause a lot of anxiety in our lives. And one of the biggest source of anxiety I think that many of us are dealing with is money and our finances, right? Like how many of you would say that finances are a source of stress in your life? Yeah, pretty much all of us. I think if if we're being honest, if we're asking questions like, does my job pay enough? Or you're feeling the stress of student loans lingering over your head? Or should I buy a house? When should I buy a house? Am I ever going to be able to buy a house in this crazy market? Um, Am I going to be able to afford rent as things keep going up? Do I open a credit card? What credit card do I open? Do I need to work more hours? Do I need to look for a better job? Or um, how many side hustles can I pick up to make more money, right? Like, Money is a source of stress in a lot of our lives as young adults. But I am fully confident that if I asked this question on a Sunday morning, that a majority of the room would still raise their hand, that money is a source of stress and anxiety in their life. Um, many adults, all, of, all their lives, will allow money to stress them out, um, Money is a huge source of conflict in marriages. It causes a lot of issues in marriages when people disagree about their finances. Aaron and I were um, in the airport this past weekend and listening to this couple talk about one of their best couple friends and how their marriage was like on edge because of how much money he was spending on video games. And I was like, dang, this is it's rough. Um, but yeah, money causes a lot of issues and anxiety for people, not just in young adult season of life, but as our young adult leadership team and I were praying over what we should talk about next 
here at the table, we really thought it was important to address our finances and how we think about money because the way we are developing habits and how we think about money will carry on into the rest of our lives. So we, are, we can choose now to form healthy habits in how we approach our finances. Um, so Jesus has a lot to say about money um, throughout his teachings. And in fact, the whole Bible has a lot to say about money. So it's a pretty important topic that Jesus takes pretty seriously. Uh, so tonight I want to spend our time in Matthew 6. And I want to think about as we, as we turn here, that maybe, maybe money doesn't have to be a source of stress and anxiety in our lives. Maybe that's not the way God intended it to be. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. It's going to be up on the screen for you to follow along. And also, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we have some extra in front of the sound booth that you're welcome to take home with you. So starting in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So many of us have probably heard this text before. Like the Sermon on the Mount is a very famous, um, it's Jesus' sermon, it's a very famous sermon. Um, But I think we often skim over this text because it feels good to store up treasures, right? Like we get caught up pretty quickly in wanting the next pair of shoes or a bigger house or a designer dog or a nicer car or the newest iPhone. Is the designer dog just, are you laughing at me, Justin? Come on. Okay, great, great. Me too. <laughs> um, so, right, we get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses and it, it's this exciting, like thrilling thing to keep um, storing up treasures on earth. It's something that is all probably tempting for all of us. Um, and it feels good to store up treasures, right? We all long for a sense of security here on earth. And if I were to ask you, what, what, what would it take you to feel secure? What would your answer be? What would it take for you to feel secure here on earth? Y'all shout out some answers. What would it take for you to feel secure? Money. Money. Yeah. Maybe enough money in your bank account and your savings or that you're making a certain amount of income. Yeah, I think a lot of, if we're being honest, where our security is found, it's directly correlated with money. Think about that. You think about the answers that are coming to your mind. It's, it's probably all directly related to money. And when our security is defined by earthly treasures, by our finances, by our money, 
it is always going to breed more insecurity. Okay, you see that? When our, we're trying to make our security in our earthly treasures, it's only going to breed more insecurity. It leads to this scarcity mentality, this fear that we're never going to have enough. Stanley Harawas says this, our desire to live without fear cannot help but create a world of fear constituted by the assumption that there is never enough. Such a world cannot help but be a world of injustice and violence because it is assumed that under conditions of scarcity, our only chance for survival is to have more. So y'all, I've seen this to be so true in my life. And I'm sure if you're being honest with yourself, you've seen it to be true in your life. Like you think if you just reach this certain amount in your bank account, then you'll feel safe. But then it bumps to the next level, right? And then you always feel like you need more and more and you're never going to have enough. And you think that you're trying to be in control and trying to eliminate fear in your life, but it's only breeding more fear and more insecurity. And the cycle goes on and on and you feel the anxiety rising, right? A more lighthearted example of this is if we think back to quarantine and the toilet paper shortage, like this is what we saw happen, right? People started to get afraid for whatever reason that they were going to run out of toilet paper during COVID and quarantine. And so they started, what did they start to do? They wanted control, so they started to buy up all the toilet paper they can. And they were stockpiling it. Like, people had way more toilet paper than they could ever need. Every time they would go to the grocery store, it would make them feel safe to get a little bit more and add a little bit more to their collection. But then what, it, what happened? We, we ran out of toilet paper, and people like my family had to order toilet paper from Amazon, and it was this nasty stuff that was so rough. <laughs> Like, in many ways, it was rough. Um, But if you think about what Stanley Harawas said, we think we can have control, but then we always don't have enough, and we always think we need more and more for more security. Um, And and like in the toilet paper example, this, this led to toilet paper injustice and violent alternatives right? But for real, if we desire to control our own narrative and live without fear, it's only going to perpetuate more fear, and it's going to hurt other people in the process. So you see what Jesus is getting at here when he says we cannot serve two masters. He's saying we have a choice. We have to choose between God or money, and if we're not careful money will quickly become our God. And maybe, if you're being honest, you already struggle with that. I know I do sometimes. But Jesus makes it pretty clear that we have to make a choice. He's not like, you can be kind of obsessed with money over here as long as you you keep me like enough of a priority in your life. He doesn't say that. He's like, you have to choose. Who's going to be your master in this world? Are you going to choose to put your trust in wealth and money, or are you going to choose to put your trust in me? Um, and the, the luxury that many of us live in in the United States is that, I mean, we, we do live a pretty luxurious life where we can feel like we have a sense of control 
through our finances, right? I mean, I know as a small group, we talk about it pretty often um, with my small group that on a daily basis, we don't have to depend on God to meet our day-to-day needs because we have access to all these things. Whereas in other countries, they, there's more of a level of dependence on God to meet their day-to-day needs. So we in America have been able to convince ourselves that we can, we can achieve our own security. Um, and we don't have to have a daily dependence on God. So I have a recent confession to make as of yesterday. Um, so we, me and my friend Autumn right here, are in a class together with Truett, and we're going to class on a farm. It's been really fun. Um, we're learning about Sabbathing. And yesterday we learned a lot about composting, Uh, It's a long story to explain how they go together. I know that sounds pretty far-fetched, but if you want to talk more about composting, it's um, a recent new passion of mine, so we can talk later. But it's a really cool class. And they cook breakfast and lunch for us on the farm. And so it's all this healthy, fresh food. And yesterday, the cook, um, we all prayed together, and the cook is like, okay, I made you all this fresh salad. I massaged the kale with olive oil and lime, and there's all these veggies that you can choose from to put in it. And then I made this homemade cilantro lime dressing. It's going to be great. And so many of you know that I have a tree nut allergy. Um, And so I'm very cautious with the food that I put into my mouth. And so I went through the line and put everything on my plate and knew that I could look to see if there was any nuts in any of the salad toppings, and there wasn't. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so I made my plate and went, sat down with my classmates and I took three bites and I realized immediately that something was wrong. And so I got up quickly and asked the the cook, I was like, Hey, did you like, are there any nuts in anything? And she's like, "Mm, Oh yeah, I put cashews in the cilantro lime dressing. Like, who puts cashews in cilantro lime dressing? Cilantro lime dressing is fine as it is with Greek yogurt or uh, sour cream and cilantro and lime. Like, does not need cashews. But apparently she thought it did. I should have known better to ask because they're healthy on the farm and do weird things. So immediately I had to go into emergency mode and I went and told my classmates, okay, I'm having an allergic reaction. I'm going to my car to get my medicine. I'll be back. So I go to the car, get my stuff, come back. Thankfully, there's a nurse practitioner there. For the first time in my life, I used my EpiPen um, because I knew it was getting bad. This is big progress because I always wait till it's really bad when I get to the ER and they're like, girl, you you have an EpiPen, you need to use it. So I used it. And then we decided the safe thing to do is to go ahead and head to the ER and monitor my symptoms. I mean, that's protocol if you use an EpiPen. But... I was convinced that I could just let it pass because I did not want to go into that ER and have to deal with the bills afterwards. So we we sat outside of the ER hoping that my allergic reaction would pass, but my hives only continued to get worse and my chest continued to get tighter. But here's the confession is like that whole time, I didn't stop to pray once and I didn't ask the Lord to to heal me or, or trust the Lord that if I needed to go into the ER, that he would handle my finances afterwards. I was just so caught up with thinking, I, I don't want to have this bill. I don't want to deal with the money. Um, but 
Y'all, this was an opportunity for me to, to trust the Lord and to know I'm no longer in control. Like, this is a life or death situation, and God's in control of my lungs, and he can be in control of my bills. And so I, I went in finally, and they took care of me, and I think we have a picture. Um, yeah, it looked, it looked worse at one point, but I'm okay. Obviously, I'm here. But <laughs> so I tell you this just because I felt like I, I wanted it to be honest with you guys that this is something that I'm very much in the middle of in learning um, to have to trust God and choose that God is in control and not try and be in control of my life through my finances. Um, so let's turn back to Matthew 6 and keep reading. See what Jesus has to say. So he says, For this reason I say to you, okay, so he's continuing on from what he just said. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried about, who are you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what Jesus is saying here is we don't have to live out of a life of scarcity. We don't have to be in control of our lives or our finances or what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear because he has created a life of abundance for us. He's like, look, if I can clothe the fields with grass and if I can make the lilies beautiful and take care of the birds, I care about them, but do you not know how much more I care about you? So can you trust me that I don't want you to live this life out of scarcity? I want you to live in the abundance that I have to offer you. One theologian says this, he says, the problem is not that the human imagination, or the, the problem is that the human imagination is simply not large enough to take in all that God is and has to give. We're overwhelmed. God's inexhaustible creation, limitless grace, relentless mercy, enduring purpose, fathomless love. It is just too much to contemplate, assimilate, understand. 
This is the language of abundance. And if humans turn away, it is something out of a misguided but understandable sense of self-protection, a reservation of identity in the face of a tidal wave of glory. So what he's saying here is we often turn away from the abundance that God has to offer us because we can't begin to wrap our minds around it. It is so much easier. It's a quick fix to think we can wrap our minds around our earthly treasures, the things that we think that we can control and we think we can find security in. But those aren't what's going to provide us security. And God's abundance that he has to offer us is far better. It's far more trustworthy, far more freeing. God's abundance might not look like what the world identifies as abundance, but it is far more trustworthy and far more freeing. Jesus wants his people to understand that we can live a joyful life with God in control and depend on him to provide for our daily needs. He has gifted us with far more than we could ever need. The lilies are, for me, the Texas wildflowers, and the birds get to be a constant reminder that God's going to take care of me, that God is who my trust is in, not anything that this world can provide for me. So just a few things before we close. Um, There's a lot more to unpack here, and we're going to continue to talk about it this summer and in our small groups, but I want y'all to hear me say first that this is not a, a free, like, don't work. Like, I'm not saying that. Don't quit your job. <laughs> um, Jesus isn't calling us to be lazy here, okay? Uh, we need to find what uh, a vocation that we can use our gifts in and be responsible and pay the bills, um, but we have to make sure we are correct, correctly ordering where our security is found and ultimately our abundance is found. And I want to also add that if we spend so much time stressing over money that it's robbing our joy and connection to God, we're missing something. We're missing something. I mean, I hear people all the time um, and I've, I've been in this thought process before, too, that I, we're like, I'm going to work really hard right now. I'm going to work really hard in my 20s and 30s to make a lot of money so that one day I can be super generous and bless people and have all these things to be able to let people experience. And um, that's when I'll be generous. But we miss out on an opportunity to be generous now. Like, we aren't promised tomorrow and we can't get so caught up with our goals to be generous in the future. Like, that, that's a good goal. But if we are so distracted with making money and being secure so we can be generous later but are missing out on opportunities to be generous now or it's taking up so much of our time that we can't have um, good friendships, we can't be invested in the church, we don't have time to go to a small group, then, then we're missing something. Okay. So don't let money rob your joy and connection to Christ and relationships in your life. So lastly, I want us to think back to the story of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. Um, In Exodus 16, if y'all want to turn there, 
a little backstory. Uh, they were in the wilderness, and they were starting to panic that, that God wasn't going to provide for them. And they started to um, even say they wish they could go back to Egypt, where they were in slavery. Okay? So in chapter 16, starting at verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Okay? So then we're going to skip forward to verse 15. It says, When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. I mean, could y'all imagine, like, rain, I mean, bread falling from heaven? It would be a little weird. So, and Moses said to them, It's the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, every man, as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some gathered little. When they measured it with an omer, he who gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. So he's saying, don't store it up and put it away till morning. Eat it now. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. So God provided the Israelites with manna, but instead of trusting God to continue to provide for them out of his abundance, they started to hoard what he had given them. They started to tuck it away because they were scared it wasn't going to come again the next day. And they took matters into their own hands to store it up. And in this book that we're reading for class on the Sabbath, um, it, it's actually talked a lot more about money than I was expecting. But she, she goes on to say, I was like the Israelites. Going out to gather manna on the Sabbath or trying to keep it overnight during the week to give themselves some more security for the future. The manna turned moldy and became filled with maggots. Similarly, all our stockpiling efforts to create our own future security gets pretty wormy when we lose track of God's provisions. And this just really hit me. Like this word picture really stuck with me and and made sense, and I love it and hate it at the same time because it's really convicting, right? But I really feel like this is something the Lord is wanting to teach me and wants to start conversations in with our young adult community as well. So I want to end by saying a few verses before in Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer, and in it he says, Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. So he's teaching people how to pray. And in this prayer it says, give us today our daily bread. Not enough dough for next week or for the next year, but our daily bread. Because we aren't promised tomorrow. And tomorrow will have worries of its own. But God will provide enough for today. And the abundance that God has to offer. 
is all we could truly need. Just let that sink in for a minute. The anxiety, the stress that we let overwhelm us about tomorrow, much of it to do with our finances, our false sense of security. God has shown his people over and over again that you don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's going to have enough worry for its own, but I'm going to be faithful for you to you today. And y'all, I know that we live in a money-driven society, and, and this sounds great, but it's hard. It's hard to truly live this out and to navigate what does it look like in our lives to really choose between serving God or money. This is something that Aaron and I are very much in the middle of a conversation, and um, I think it's something that we're probably all going to continually have to be working through. But I want us to start this conversation here as a large group, but also in our small groups, um, and talk about money. I think we we bought into this lie that money and our finances should be something that we keep a secret, that we don't talk about with our community. Like maybe you talk about it with your spouse or with a financial advisor, but you don't want people, other people to know about your finances. And I think it's really important that we have honest conversations with our community. So I want us to be thinking about these questions. Um, and I want to challenge you guys to talk about it in your small groups next week. How do you view money in your life right now? Where is your security? Is money or earthly treasures a source of anxiety for you? And if you're not in a small group, it's a great time to jump into one. Um, I know these can sound like some intimidating conversations uh, to jump into, but we're all broken, messy people trying to figure this out together. And so I'd really, really encourage you to jump into a small group. Um, We also really need to start a few more young adult small groups. So if you want to start one, um, come talk to me. I would love to get coffee with you and talk about what that process would look like. But like I said, this is is a start of this conversation. Um, I'm super excited to continue talking about it next month at the table. And I hope you are as well and that um, you can just experience freedom um, and that we can create good habits in our lives so we don't let money control us and we don't let money become our God. And we find our security and our abundance in Christ alone. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that we have this space to gather with people in a similar season of life, that we can have these conversations, these hard, sometimes awkward, messy conversations, but we can be real with each other, and we can create good habits in our lives. So God, I pray that you would teach us ways to interact with money that are good, that are peaceful, and that are praiseworthy. Reveal where we are holding on to security and earthly possessions when we should be trusting in you. God, give us courage to have honest conversations with our community and ultimately challenge each other 
to fall more in love with the generous, trustworthy, loving God that you are. Amen.